Well, the left is terrified of my guest today. It's weird because normally they worship strong, confident women who run for major office. But this woman, wrong side of the aisle. Uh, she's automatically uh, a DEFCON uh, one dangerous. No joke, man. Last week, MSNBC uh, said she mirrors the, quote, anti-abortion, anti-immigrant, pro-fascism women who are winning elections in Europe. Wow. I guarantee that if her story was exactly the same, except she was a Democrat, they would have already coronated her as the candidate to replace Joe Biden in 2024. Instead, she's ruffling all of the right feathers with an unconventional campaign, making mincemeat out of the media in which she spent most of her career. She doesn't have a traditional campaign manager. She's hired some friends and some people that she trusts. She spends very little time fundraising. She buys almost no TV ads, and she doesn't believe in political consultants. What's not to like? She makes the campaign stage look so easy that her Democratic opponent still refuses to debate her. Politico says, quote, she has communication skills that an army of consultants could never impart to a candidate with less experience. The Republican establishment doesn't quite really know what to do with her either. Democrats are horrified that regular Americans seem to like her. The buzz just keeps growing around Republican candidate for governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake. You're going to love this podcast. We'll get to it here in a second. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor. If you're suffering from pain, get out of pain. We need every boot on the ground. We need everybody engaged. You don't have much to offer. Yeah, you have a ton to offer. Every person is here for a reason. And we need you in the fight at your best. So try Relief Factor. I know you've probably tried everything else and nothing works. Just try it. That's the way I was. My wife, my wife was the one who said to me, you got to try relief factor. That's not what she sounds like. She sounds more like. Anyway, um, I tried it and it worked for me. 70% of the people who try relief factor get their life back. Get out of pain. Try it now. Three week quick start. 1995. You can get it at relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Hi, Carrie. Hi. How are you? How are you, Glenn? I'm good. Good to see you. I'm good. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've hit the big time if I'm sitting here uh, looking at, <laughs> yeah. at the Silver Fox broadcasting. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so I, I, I think we should just start with, um, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I think I had you on my radio show just uh, the maybe the few days, if not the next day after you quit television. And yep. uh, you said you didn't know what you were going to do at the time, but you just knew it was wrong to be there. And um, yep. it sounded to me at the time like maybe you would start your own news thing online. Take yeah. me through the uh, take me through <laughs> the end I've, of that to this. It feels like a million years ago I in know. some ways. I. I, I stepped away into the complete unknown. I mean, when you walk away from something you know and have known for 30 years, yeah. that's like stepping onto a new planet. Mm -hmm. I joke, I don't just, I didn't just move into a new chapter of my life. It's a whole new book, and I yeah. didn't know what I was going to do. I thought about doing some media training with a local organization that I believed in. And so that was kind of a one, one idea. I was looking at maybe getting into media, but in a, in a format that, actually was right and right. not just right conservative but actually mm -hmm. on the right side of history yeah but then there was that part of me that thought i've been working since 
probably before it was legal to work. I mean, I've been working <laughs> since I was a kid yeah. and maybe I should just take a month or two and figure it out. And during that time, when I was talking to you, I was getting such great feedback from that video I put out when I resigned. Oh, it's great. I had no idea it would go viral. I truly didn't. I thought the people of Arizona would figure out why I was leaving, which is all I wanted out of that video. But things started to come into me. Everyone was like, well, you want to come work for me? What about doing this? How about you run for office? And that was becoming real common. You need to run for office. We need you in politics because we trust you. You love we, we know you love Arizona and you you love us, the people of Arizona. So all of these, you know, ideas were kind of hitting my brain and I I I was just trying to figure it out. I think you had me on I think within a week of me quitting yeah. my job. Yeah. At that point I had no idea what I yeah. was gonna do, but that was clear the, to uh, me at the time. You had no idea. Let me let me take you to right before that decision was made. Um e- your husband's trying to talk you out of it. Trying to say you Right, Carrie. You, I mean, this is the, this is you've been doing this for a long time. It's good money. What are we doing? And then the two of you went to uh, a church, and you had an experience with a pastor. Is, is this right? Well, no. My husband was always supportive. I mean, he knew that that it had been weighing on my on my mind. It had been weighing me down and and really affecting me um, spiritually for a long time. He could tell that I was really struggling with having to read news that I felt wasn't fully truthful. And I so he was fully supportive. But it was actually after I made the decision to leave, I I decided in November after the election, I'm going to leave. I'm going to walk away from this career. I was really mulling it over. But it wasn't until I a girlfriend of mine said, hey, you want to go to I was doing Bible study at home one Saturday night. And that's that's the that's my social life, Glenn. <laughs> I was doing Bible study. It was something online. I was watching one of my dear friends who's now involved in the campaign called me and said, hey, we're going to church tomorrow. And I said, well, which church are you going to? Because at the time our church was shut down. It was a appointment only. She goes, oh, we're going to this. Um, you know, she named the church. And I go, is that one of those mega churches? Oh, I didn't know you were into that. You know, that just seems so weird to me at the mm-hmm. time. And she goes, no, just go with me. I know you're going to love it. So I got up early the next day, went to church with her, had a complete, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment. Mm -hmm. Like God was right there, Mm -hmm. right there with me. As a matter of fact, I cried during the service and the pastor came out and delivered a sermon that just cut right through, right through the soul, right through the soul. And, uh, and I, I told my girlfriend at the time on the way to church, I go, Lisa, I'm, I'm going to leave my job. I'm, I'm really going to leave it. And she's like, no, you're crazy. You're just having a bad week. You make too much money. Are you insane? Why would you do that? And after, during that sermon, we looked at each other about four or five times because it was this, if that pastor was speaking to me and reaffirming what I wanted to do, and he was speaking to my best friend, telling her why I needed to do what my soul was calling on me to do. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how Truly. that how that happens. Um, and then, so, and then we went we went to that church. By the way, the next Sunday. And another sermon that just struck right to the heart. It was as if he was just speaking to me only. Wow. <laughs> and, and we've been going to that church ever since. We, we completely changed our church. We um, just had uh, a, a real epiphany, I think, yeah, when yeah. it comes to our spirituality. Yeah. It's amazing what the right, the right setting can do for the spirit and soul. So this was Lisa that was with you then, right? It, right. And, and she's, she's running of our your campaign. campaign now, right? Uh, she's a big part of it. Big she's a of big it. part of it. And, you know, I brought people in like that, Glenn, because when I decided to finally step into this uh, great unknown and into the swamp, my goodness, how scary. That's that's almost scarier than leaving the fake news is then oh, stepping yeah. into the swamp. Yeah. And I, I knew I had to bring in people I could trust because, you you know, how many snakes there are mm-hmm. in politics especially in Arizona. And I knew that the consultants in this town were, uh, I felt very corrupt. I won't, I won't go into great detail, but I knew I didn't want to hire any of the mm-hmm. Arizona consultants. So I just brought in a, I call it a ragtag team of moms and church ladies and friends, a couple people who had worked in politics. But one of the first people that came into my uh, political realm was somebody who 
really did did like ground game advance work for the Trump team. Mm-hmm. He was uh, pretty low on the totem pole for the Trump team, but he knew a few things about politics and he helped me start to hire a few people here and there. Um, just people who loved America. So they, they people came to you when you said, you know, people are coming to you. How about working here? How about work? I know the Republicans, at least I think I know the Republicans came and they wanted you to run for Congress. And you said not interested in Congress. What Mm. why didn't that interest you and what interested you in governor? Well, I'll tell you, I when I started to explore and just kind of put my feelers out about politics, because I started getting so many messages from people in Arizona saying, please get into politics. I started putting my feelers out and talking to a few people and they were like, wow, we're going to get another congressional seat, our 10th seat, which now, you know, we never got. You should run for that. It would be perfect. And I just thought, I don't want to go into into Congress. I want to stay here in Arizona. And we saw during COVID, Glenn, how much power a mm, governor mm. had and how they could use that power for good or bad to, to either help us or destroy our lives. And too many governors tried to destroy our lives. And so I was really looking at that. I was mulling that over and I was mulling over running um, for the U.S. Senate. Mm. And so I thought about both of them and I just started talking to people. I, I just wasn't it didn't appeal to me to be uh, a member of, of Congress, like, you know, 435 other people mm-hmm. and um, the back and forth travel. I, I didn't feel that I would have the impact that I wanted to have doing that. So I immediately ruled that out. I don't know if you know this, but CNN told us this week that we should um, start to feed our pets insects because pets contribute to climate uh, global climate change and the only thing you can do is uh, either don't have a pet or feed your dog or cat insects okay no not gonna do it i'm not gonna eat it i'm not gonna feed my dog insects not part of the plan now maybe you feed your dog insects Maybe you feed your dog kibble food. Whatever. There is something that you can put on even insects that will make your dog like it, eat uh, a healthy uh, portion. My dog was really against eating. Um, And then we put rough greens on the dog food. And I'm telling you, it's like dog crack. He loves it. And it's good for him. Vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, you name it. If it's healthy, it's in there. Um, I want you to go to roughgreens.com slash Beck. You'll get a free bag just for your dog to try it out. Make sure that he likes it. I mean, who knows? Maybe he would like the insects better. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Just pay for shipping. Get your first bag free. Roughgreens.com slash Beck or 833-GLEN33. So, um, Carrie, I have watched you. I've seen you deliver two speeches now in person. I don't think I've ever, Reagan, um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone as effective as you are um, delivering a speech. And I think part of that comes from, (laughs) no, it's true. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that said that. Um, Part of it comes from, I think you are who you say you are. That's the way it feels to me. You and I don't really know each other, but we know each other. Right. Um, uh, but I think that you're the real deal. I also think because of your years in television, just like Reagan, he had the years behind the camera. Um, so yep. let me get into some some real deal kind of stuff with you. OK. OK. All right. Because um, you kind of come out of nowhere and uh, I guess I, I guess I first want to know why politics? Why did you decide? What made you say, oh, that's what I should do? Why? What? Well, first of all, I didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, I've no, had no, a no, 27 I know. I mean, for the rest of the country. No, I know you didn't no, in Arizona. I, I want to tell the rest of the country because when I got into politics, people were like, we don't know her. How? You know, they were panicked because they went. Uh oh, we have somebody who actually knows Arizona. The people know her. The people love her. She loves the people. She's got 85, 90% name ID in the state of Arizona. Holy smokes, how do we stop this? And so the first thing they did is, we don't know her. Oh my gosh, we don't know her. Who is she? And I I laughed. I mean, 
I was on TV three hours a day for 27 years. I mean, I, the people of Arizona know my husband. We talked about family stuff. They saw me out and about. I I was pregnant through two pregnancies. I actually went, went into labor. I was in labor um, for one newscast b- before I delivered my um my son. And I mean, I, the, the people of Arizona do know me, the political world and the consultant world were scared to death of me because they're like, Oh yeah. Wait a minute. We don't control her. She's not hiring us. Let's tell people that she's an unknown. And I laugh at that because I have been an open book. My entire life has been an open book. And that's how you live when you work on, on television. Well, as, long, as, as much as you did, I, I mean, I, I went through the same thing of three hours a day. And then I went to New York and I was on television. I, I've been in this business since I was 13 years old and they had the same reaction. Who the hell is this? Where did he come yeah. from? It's an overnight <laughs> sensation. You're like, no. And, um, and how dare he? Yeah. How dare he enter our realm? Who are you? So, but um, but I, I, let me just say this. When I said, I do know you, um, you this, my agent said this to me when he called me and said, uh, here you're looking for an agent. He was the best radio agent in the business. And I said, yes. And he said, well, I've heard some things that you're trying to change in your life. This is 25 years ago. Um, and I was yeah. an alcoholic. And he said, uh, you know, I want to just check you out a bit. And I said, fine. And he calls me back and, and he said, OK, I've done my homework. You uh, appear to be sincere in your changes in your life, et cetera, et cetera. I said, wait a minute. There's a chance you wouldn't have taken 10 percent of my money. And he said, no, in your business and the same with you three hours every day. You cannot fake who you are that long. You, you just can't. That's right. You can That's be an right. actor and do script, but you can't do live television or radio for three hours and not really expose who you are. Yeah, there'll be a crack somewhere, somewhere. Where, where something goes wrong and the mics go out and, you know, the, the teleprompter dies. I mean, I did so many shows where the teleprompter died. I, we went a year where our teleprompter didn't work. And I think we just said, turn the darn thing off. We don't need it. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I think everybody in politics should sit down and do a three hour podcast. Mm-hmm. I went on Timcast a couple times and you don't, you know, especially with those guys, you don't know what the heck they're going to ask you. How do you react to some of these questions? And and can you react and can you hold your own? I think it's really important. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I forgot what the question was. No, I, the I question, got sidetracked on why you wanted politics. And I think you've I think you've answered that. Um, so um, you there's pushback. <laughs> there's pushback on your religiosity. Now, I've talked yep. to you personally and. I didn't feel there was I mean, I thought you were extraordinarily genuine on the way you talked about God privately. I don't want to go into our conversation, but privately, I thought you were um, extraordinarily real. Um, Some people who had worked with you anonymously said, I don't even think she was a Christian. I don't. I know she was a liberal for a while. Can you tell me about your evolution on things? Yeah. I would love to. And by the way, I'm not crying. You're not making me cry, Glenn. <laughs> I woke up I woke up this morning with a, a sty in my eye, oh so my, my eyes are watering profusely. Oh, but well. you might make me cry okay. by the end of this. I don't yeah. know. We're going to spend no, some time I together. I don't think um, so. You know, I, I grew up um, in a, a large family. My mom was Catholic. We I'm the ninth child, so we always mm. had... Um, a Christian upbringing. And, and then my parents got divorced and I went and became Lutheran. They were from, you know, they got married from the different side, wrong side of the track. The Lutheran marrying the Catholic mm-hmm. at the time was very controversial right. back yeah, yeah. in those days. And so I was confirmed both Catholic and Lutheran. And I spent much of my life, um, both of those faiths, so Catholic and Lutheran. And of course, growing up and when you become working in TV, you start working weekends and then you stop going to church because you're working weekends. I worked mornings on Sunday. I worked evening on Sunday and Mm -hmm. I was young and exhausted and we just kind of stopped going to church. But I've always considered myself to be a Christian. Um, You know, I think the, the word was I was Buddhist. I did a lot of yoga to, I think, alleviate some of the stress of the world working in in broadcasting. And it was it was during um, when my children were little, 
when they were born, the Catholic Church was having some real upheaval. They were having the um, the priests that were coming out. All those mm-hmm. stories were breaking. And it really pushed me. I'm going to be really honest. It pushed me away from the church. It, it gave me great stress because here I had these amazing babies in my arms. And I'm hearing the stories of what had happened over the decades. Um, and nothing was being done about it. And so it turned me off from the church. And we kind of went... We kind of went, uh, I don't know, dormant for a while and just didn't go to church. And then our kids started to grow up and I realized, you know, we we got to bring uh, faith back into our children's lives. And mm-hmm. we sent them to uh, to Christian and Catholic schools and we rejoined the Catholic church. And um, But I still never felt that connection. And I didn't realize it until... Um, I got canceled in 2019. I got canceled really hard because of a live mic situation that somehow got let out. And looking at the live mic situation, I think it's kind of funny. You'll have to Google it. (laughs) I I won't say what I said on here, Glenn. I don't want to get you canceled. (laughs) But what I said was the truth, the uh, unabashed truth. And I got canceled because of it pretty hard. And, And it it gave me great stress because at the time I wasn't ready to leave my job and I felt that I'd done everything right and I'd been good to people and, and here I was getting raked over the coals and it wasn't my fault and the the internet world, the Twitter world oh, was yeah. hating on me and the first time you get canceled, it's tra- it's pretty tragic at the time, especially going back. Now I laugh at getting canceled. I get canceled every day by somebody. And so um, I, I prayed to God really hard. I mean, I was like down on my knees saying, get me through this. This, this is painful. Will I survive this? And the next day, the cavalry, the cavalry came through. All of a sudden, my supporters just started coming in. They, I guess they overwhelmed the TV station with phone calls and emails. They started showing me love and support. And I said to God, thank you. You, you did that. God did that. And from that moment, I started to really connect back with my faith and with God, with the Bible. I started wearing a cross from that moment on because my daughter said to me, we got so much hate from that being canceled. She said, Mom, I'm worried about you. I want you to start wearing my cross. And it was a cross she had at the time to be so that you're you're protected from just some of the hate we were experiencing. And now she's got her cross back and I have my own cross. Mm. But anyway, that that started opening my my heart and soul back up. And truly, from that moment of being canceled until I quit my job, God just was pouring into my life, pouring into my life. And so uh, during COVID, I'll try to make this short because, Glenn, you're like, I'd like to talk too. <laughs> oh, I, during COVID, I want to hear from when, you. Uh, when, during COVID, when half of our uh, station was sent home to work in case COVID were to spread and we didn't want to have to go off the air, I connected even further with God because I was working from home. And I had a Bible sitting at my desk. And I remember one day I was just kind of sitting around and I pulled the Bible down off my desk and opened it up and started reading the Bible again. And let me tell you, reading the Bible in middle age, at at my age at the time was I think 51 or 52, is so much different than reading it when you're going through confirmation or you're in your 20s. When you read the Bible in your 50s, whoa. I mean, it was like a ton of bricks in a good way, Mm -hmm. in a good way, because you've had life experience. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I had a moment where I was looking at my news scripts that were sitting on my desk that I was going to read for the news, and I had the Bible open, and I'm saying, this is a lie, and this is the truth. The news is a lie, and the Bible is the truth. And so I, I just, my spirituality just was growing, 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 and, and it kind of took, I think, the, the greatest turn when my girlfriend, my best friend, introduced me to her church, and that's when it just... I, I felt a connection with Jesus that I hadn't felt in my entire life. Isn't that amazing? Here I was 52 at the time. I walked into that church, and the first three Sundays, I cried through the church service. As crazy mm-hmm. as that sounds, if you've ever had that experience, and then you get it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, you probably think I'm crazy. And um, it, it was just like a full, complete uh, I, I guess revival within myself, I, and I uh, I joined that church, and it's been life changing, and the pastor's amazing, and the people are amazing, and 
God just works in amazing ways. Yeah, I will tell you that um, uh, your um, your answer, I've always believed if you if you say you believe in God and you had a transformational moment or you didn't believe in abortion and now you do. I want to hear your story, because if you can't tell me the color of the room or the wallpaper in the room, you didn't have that experience because that experience is so clear when you have that you can define it you remember it clearly for the rest of your life i thought you i you know the color of the wallpaper in the room <laughs> i'm happy to, oh i you I'm know with the couple i mean i i can go into uh into some detail no, about no, no, those no. first but the the craziest thing was i thought sometimes you know the mega churches i guess it's a mega church i don't know if you call it that but they do an amazing uh, music yeah, yeah. light show mm. so there's the you know it's like a concert mm-hmm. and i used to see that kind of stuff on tv and kind of roll my eyes now i realize if you can't put on your best show on sunday pull out your sunday best do a light show play the best music bring the most talented singers and and musicians out on a sunday when you're worshiping god but you can do it for a rock concert or uh, right. then you're, you're worshiping the wrong thing yeah I, and so i i absolutely love it i, I love, love it. that we have a the church here gateway um and i love their worship service i love it it's not my faith but I love it. Just love it. It is such yep. a great way to uh, praise God. There is nothing like going to the grocery store and paying too much for low quality meat that in some cases can have some pretty nasty bacteria on it. Thankfully, Good Ranchers delivers America's best meat and seafood right to your door. Year round. No tricks, no treats. Ding dong. Have a slab of beef, kid. Wouldn't be bad. I'm just saying. They're running their October feast special right now. It just got better. You can get up to four pounds of meat for free. You order any box and get over two pounds of their better than organic chicken breasts for free. Order over $300 and you also get two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef thrown in free. Join the tens of thousands of Americans getting 100% American meat delivered to their door. Store-bought meat... I don't want to get into all the things store-bought meat and what I think about it, but let me just say this. When it says product of the USA, probably not product of the USA. Some stores, about 10% of it is product of the USA, but all of it will have a sticker on it. Good Rancher, they will let you save 25% on, sorry, $25 on every box and lock in your price when you subscribe. Your meat will never go up. GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. Let me ask you about your transition because I think you were you were a Republican. Then you left the Republicans in 06, uh, became an independent, and then you registered a Demo- as a Democrat after Obama. And then... On 2012, you changed back to a Republican. Tell me what was going on. <laughs> in my brain. Okay, we're going back in history. Um, yeah, you know, I I registered as a Republican when I was 18. Reagan was my, the, was the president of my youth. Mm-hmm. When I was 10, 9 or 10, he was uh, elected, and I just thought he was the greatest thing ever. Me I mean, too. he was the greatest thing ever. And I didn't even realize that there were critics of him. This is how innocent I was as a child until I went off to college. And it was a college professor who started complaining about Reagan Mm. when I was 17 because I went to college pretty young. I graduated from high school at 16. And I was like shocked by it. I, I went, you mean there's somebody who doesn't love Ronald Reagan? Of course, you go to a liberal university and they start doing that, right? Right. And so he inspired me and I registered as a Republican at 18. I voted for George Bush and I voted for all, you know, all the Republicans right up until um, I, I didn't even vote for Clinton, which I know at the time I felt really odd not voting for Clinton because everybody my age was voting for Clinton. Yeah. But when I had, again, when I had little, little babies, I'm looking at my kids. I remember when I was in... Um, the hospital delivering Ruby, the Iraq war was just about ready to start. And I thought, why are we starting a war in Iraq? 
you know, and if something happens to you when you're a young mother, you, you get real, your heart kind of moves from the inside of your body into the outside and you start going, wait a minute, what's going on here? I was very much opposed to that. I thought we were lied. They, they did lie to us. They lied us into that war. And I was looking at which candidate is going to end this war because it's setting up to be an endless war. Mm -hmm. And I knew John McCain personally had covered him. I covered him many years at that point. And I said, he's not going to be the one that ends a war. I just didn't believe that. So I took a chance on Barack Obama. I was excited about our first black president. There was a lot of excitement that built up to him. And, and we voted for Obama. We were excited about him. It didn't turn out. I think now I look at I look at um, the way he led, and he had a real opportunity to bring our country together, yeah. and he did not do that. I think he did just the opposite, sadly. So then I became an independent. You know, I think what happened, though, Glenn, for a lot of Americans, was somewhere between Reagan and Trump, the Democrat and the Republican Party morphed into what they call the Uniparty. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't about we the people anymore. It was about political power, holding on to control, and ignoring the needs of the American people. You know, I think it was Ronald, actually before Ronald Reagan, Goldwater was the original MAGA candidate. Right. And you probably know that, but mm -hmm. then maybe your view, your listeners do as well. Then Reagan came in and showed us what MAGA means. And then we had to wait 40 years to really see MAGA, America first, come into full effect. And we know that that works. And I am such a proud new, I call it the new Republican Party because it is the America first Republican Party. So, so help me out on this. Um, uh, what is it about America first that you as governor think you can bring? Well, I think you can take those America first policies where we're putting the people, the, America, the people of America first, and you can bring them to the state level. Let's bring the people, put Arizonans first. And I want to actually return states' rights to Arizona. Amen. And I think that's what we need to see across this country. The states created the federal government, not the other way around. But somewhere along the way, the encroachment of the federal government on our states, on our people, has become not just a heavy blanket, but almost a suffocating blanket. And we need to throw that blanket off. And, um, and I don't mean we're going to secede from the nation like the <laughs> fake ads that are out. I'm in Texas, I so that's that's a given here. <laughs> <laughs> They're ready in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I said we need to fire the federal government after they raided Trump's home. They turned it into an ad saying, I want to secede from the, the uh, union. And it's kind of funny. These fake ads are so bad. Or these, uh, these attack ads yeah. are so bad. But we need to regain that power. These federal agencies, the overreach, um, they're trying to destroy our, our health. Look at what the CDC and Anthony Fauci did. Unelected bureaucrats, lifers, trying to control our lives. And we need a governor at the state level who will put the state first, revert back to what the Constitution says. That's why my border plan is going to be so effective, because it's right there in the Constitution. We're going to invoke our Article 1, Section 10 rights under the United States Constitution to protect our citizens from the invasion at the border. Pretend, and, and wait, we wait, 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 wait. Pretend I'm, I'm, I'm not a constitutional geek, which, of course, I am. Article Article One, Section Ten. What does it say? <laughs> okay. Well, the Guarantee Clause, Article Four, Section Four, guarantee is the. It's called the Guarantee Clause, and that is the federal government's guarantee to protect the citizens from invasion of this country, and they're failing to do that under Joe Biden. I think it's become very obvious. Even the Democrats are realizing it's obvious. We've got people pouring across our border. Uh, re another record month in September. Uh, people pouring across, drugs pouring across. They're not protecting us. There's a remedy in the United States Constitution in Article 1 and Section 10. And we meet all three criteria. There's an invasion, yes. Our people are in imminent danger, yes. And time is of the essence. There's no time for delay, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to invoke in my, in my uh, policy. I'm going to pull it up right here because I'm so proud of it. It's called Defend Arizona. It's our border policy, and I hope your um, listeners will take a look at it on our website. You can learn all about it. But um, I had some of the best people who understand the border uh, help me with this. I, I said, we've got a crisis on the border. How can the states 
protect their citizens because we can't rely on this bumbling fool in the White House. I'm sorry to be rude, but we can't rely on him. He's the reason that the cartels are in control. So I brought in great people to help me with an ironclad border policy where we go to the U.S. Constitution and we have the full right to protect our citizens. And we know we're going to get fought tooth and nail on this. We absolutely know that. But we're going to fight back. And if this goes to the Supreme Court, I will be thrilled because we're going to win that battle because right there in the Constitution, it says that the states have the right to do this. Do you have a good attorney general or one that you hope will win? I do. Abe Hamaday is who we hope will win. And we believe we're going to have a red wave in Arizona. If you're listening from Arizona, you've got to vote Republican up and down that ballot. Just go in there and vote Republican up and down the ballot. We've got to get Abe Hamaday. If we get the Democrat who's way behind in the polls, I don't I don't really even worry that she would be elected. Um, They would try they would try to sue us and stop us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have we're going to have good attorneys. We will lawyer up, as they say, because they will lawyer up against us. Now, there's a little part of me that wonders if there might be a tiny few brain cells still working in Joe Biden where he would realize how (laughs) stupid it would be to sue the state of Arizona and sue the governor of Arizona, who's trying to protect the citizens of Arizona, how bad that would look. It would look like with the truth that he's on the side of the cartels. So there's a part of me that wonders, maybe they won't do anything, but then the more realistic part of me says, we are going to have to lawyer up and fight yeah, the, and the, fight, the, fight. There is a, um, there is a desire uh, to control the way everyone lives from Washington. And they yeah. don't like state control. <laughs> Um, and, and that's what we've always been. And I think people are starting to wake up to why that's been so important in the past, uh, because now all of a sudden we need state control or we're being taken to hell in a handbasket. That's right. And Joe Biden's going to try to destroy. He is trying to destroy the country. And and we've gotten so far from the Constitution. Again, you know, I talked about reading the Bible in the in my 50s and Reading the Constitution again, we learned about it in, in junior high and high school. I don't even know if they're still teaching that. In some schools, they probably aren't. No. When you start looking at the Constitution, you realize you've gotten so far away from it. And federal regulations from agencies have, uh, at least they thought, superseded the Constitution. But we're going to remind them that they don't supersede the Constitution. A ruling from the EPA does not supersede the United States Constitution. And a ruling from the ATF does not supersede the United States Constitution. We've got to get back to our founding document or we're going to lose our whole country. But this and we're going to do that here. This is going to require I mean, again, I'm in Texas. And, you know, so it's a kind of a given here that you're like, you're going to come take our guns. I don't think you're going to take our guns. Um, You know, I (laughs) talked to a sheriff here who I said, if they come to try to confiscate guns, Uh, He just put his hand up and he said, Glenn, let me tell you, I will deputize every single citizen of my county and a deputy must carry a gun. Uh, I I love it. Yeah. I mean, they're serious here. Um, But this is this is a real this is a real fight on your hands. They don't give up power easily. But but Glenn, if we don't fight right now, isn't this the moment? Isn't this the time? Yes. We're watching our country fall apart. I walked away from my paycheck, a massive paycheck, because I looked at that and said, what good is that? That's worthless in the grand scheme of things if we don't have freedom for our children, if we don't have our constitution intact, if we don't have our liberties intact. If you're sitting home on the couch just watching the world go to hell in a handbasket going, oh, someone else is going to step in and save the day, uh, get off the couch. You're going to have to help save the day. We've got a republic if we can keep it. And we're in the if we can keep it part. And that's what we're going to do. That's why I'm stepping into this. And I'm fearless right now because um, it's, you know, the old give me liberty or give me death. This is a hill worth dying on. This is the moment that we have to step in and save our country. We don't have a lot of time on the clock. I would agree. Um, uh, let me uh, take you to your opponent, Katie Hobbs. Oh, oh must we? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, 
Um, what is different? What's the difference between the two of you? Oh, my gosh. Night and day. I did just recently find out we're about the same age. Uh, that might be the only thing we have in common. <laughs> She has been a bureaucrat and, you know, uh, for quite some time, she was a state lawmaker and her record was just abysmal. You know, if you if you want me to start with when she was a senator in the in the Arizona Senate, she voted against the border wall, against the virtual border wall. She voted against uh, border tr- uh, st- strike force. Pardon me. My tongue isn't working this morning. She voted against that twice, which would protect us at the border. She voted against allowing the state to try to get money recouped from the federal government because of our open border. And then she had the gall to do an ad in front of that border wall that she was opposed to, you know, saying that she's going to protect the border, which she's not. She believes in open borders. Her plan is for Joe Biden to to handle the border. He's the one who got us into the mess. She voted, she co-sponsored legislation to introduce sex education in kindergarten. She voted against a piece of legislation that would offer a an, an infant who survives an abortion life-saving treatment, opting to have that baby die on a cold metal tray. And she is looks at California and the policies, the dead-end destructive policies that have destroyed California and many other states around this country. She sees those policies as excellent policies that she wants to put into play here in Arizona. We're not going to lose our our Western heritage here, we're not going to lose what makes Arizona unique and turn into California. And that's what we would get under Katie Hobbs. She voted against uh, parents having the right to choose the school their kids go to and 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 have the ESA funding, which other people call it vouchers. It's mm-hmm. ESA here in Arizona. We now have that for all students. They can decide what school they go to. The money follows. These are parents' rights issues, and she's opposed to that. So, And this newest... Oh, I could go on all day. I was just going to say, you know, as you're as I'm listening to all these things, I think this all the time. I can't believe it's this close in America. All of these things that are being shopped by the left and the Democrats all over abortion on demand, even birthday abortion. Um, you know, the the oh, transgender parties in the in oh, the I, I haven't even gotten to that. She's for that. She's for those surgeries on our precious, perfect children. So do She's you for think, all that. so do you think um, it's just that nobody because you have taken Arizona by storm. You're now about three points, four points ahead of uh, Katie Hobbs uh, from the polls that I've seen. Uh, I think there's going to be a red wave. I think you're going to be the next governor. Is it is it really this close? What do you hear from the people in Arizona? I mean, no, I don't think it is. I don't either. Okay, here's here's what's going on. You get a lot of pollsters. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They give the Democrats too much weight when they're waiting these polls. I'm telling you, we have a movement, Glenn. It's it's not about me. It is a movement, and I think God has a lot to do with it, because the whole fact that I'm in this, that I survived a brutal primary with the most money ever poured into a primary against me, I can only give God credit. I truly can. And so this is a movement. We draw crowds. We had a a rally on Saturday night. And we had 4,000 people there. I thought it was 3,500. My staff corrected me yesterday and said, no, we had 4,000 people at that rally. My opponent, Hobbs, had her biggest event of the year, and there were 22 people there. Okay, so you can't tell me these polls are closed. I was at a restaurant yesterday. We stopped to grab lunch on on the campaign trail. People came out from the kitchen. They said, we're voting for you. Uh, the waitress, we're voting for you. The manager, we're voting for you. Many of the patrons came over and said, we just made a donation and we just voted for you. A gay couple came over and said, both me and my boyfriend voted for you. All people, all walks of life, Hispanics, African-Americans, Asian Americans, everyone is excited about this movement because you know what I'm, I'm representing for the people? the people taking back their government. Mm -hmm. I am leading a movement of we, the people, taking back our government. I'm not gonna, I'm not running to be the leader of Arizona. I'm, I'm running to allow the people to be my boss, 
to represent the people of Arizona. And that's going to be the difference. Yeah. When the elected officials realize they're not the boss, they work for the people. Mm-hmm. That's what Ron DeSantis told me. He said, I said, so what is your what is your goal? And he said to take away so much power from this government and from my position that the next governor just won't have anything to do, really. <laughs> it's just I'm <laughs> shutting it all off. And that's. No, we're going to have a lot. I love that. But we unfortunately are going to have a lot to do because we have such a mess right now. It is going to take a governor to get involved. Yeah, well, uh, no, no, no. But he's saying for the next governor, because it's been just like you, it's all screwed up. You have to go in and set things right. Let me ask you kind of where we started. That's That's why he is such a great governor. It is. That's why he is an example for others. And that's why I liked uh, Christy Noam during COVID. I thought her her soft touch and and she had a light she had a light touch when it came to how they handle COVID. You let the people know what's going on, you lay it out for them, and you know let me tell you, the people of the Midwest they don't they can spot a BS artist from a mile away, mm-hmm. and they could spot a BS artist in Fauci. And I'm from the Midwest. I could tell that guy was full of it, and we're letting him dictate. The destruction of our lives, the destruction of our economy, the destruction of our businesses, the destruction of our what happened to our children, Glenn, is so unacceptable and unforgivable. We've done so much damage to our kids. Even the kids in Arizona are excited about this governor's race. A little girl, her family sent me a picture. She dressed up for me uh, at the Halloween party they had at school. <laughs> and it was so cute. And I'm telling you this not not to be boastful. But the kids are excited. She had a little chicken in her hand with the name Katie Hobbs on it, (laughs) which is hilarious. I'm telling you this because I think what the kids are feeling right now is some hope. You know, if we've been stressed, imagine how stressed I know every adult has been stressed with what's happening in the last few years. We're watching our freedoms and we go to bed. We wake up in the middle of the night stressed out. Imagine what our kids are feeling. Oh, I know. Especially when you go to school and the school says, the earth is going to die in the next hundred years unless we do stuff. There's no hope. You can't do it because all these people are in your way. You're white or you're black or uh, my gosh, how do and, our kids? And you better and, and wear a mask all day and you can't breathe or you're going to kill grandma. Right. Because the kids are killing grandma. I mean, and then and by the way, if you want to be a boy and you're a girl or vice versa, that's OK. It is psychological abuse. It is. And I am so pissed off about it, Glenn. As a mother, when I see what's happened to our kids and, and, and Katie Hobbs wanting to push sex ed in kindergarten, I'm telling you, I don't have a kindergartner. My babies are 18 and 19. But if any adult wants to talk to my five-year-old about sex, it'll be all I can do to prevent myself from punching him in the face. And I'm not a violent person. <laughs> But I'm I'm really angry with what we did to our kids. It's I know I'm you know, we've we've talked in the past um, and uh, I'm trying my hardest to be a better Christian that will love my enemy, correct them uh, and not accept the evil Hmm. that is being pushed, but still to love my enemy. And uh, because it's easy well, to get angry and full of rage right now, and nothing good comes. It of that. is easy, but but no, I'm not full of rage. I am a pissed off mama bear. Yeah, oh yeah, that's good. And and some things are forgivable, and some things are not forgivable. Yeah, and masking our saying, children. No, I, I, I want to make this really clear. I'm not saying that we go. Oh well, you know, we have differences. No, no, our differences are insurmountable. I cannot that's live. Right. With someone who says pedophilia is okay, and I'm just, you know, I'm not grooming. I'm just teaching your kids about sex. Yeah. No, no. Let's get them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get them out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, we people say, how do we bring good teachers in? Why are we losing good teachers? And my dad was a public school teacher. God rest his soul. He would be um, shocked at what's happening in schools right now. He taught history and government, and he was a football coach. Uh, he did not get into teaching for the money. 
Okay, we, we had nine kids in the house. We didn't have enough food in the house because with nine kids and a teacher's salary, it wasn't a lot of money. And teachers don't get into it to get rich. They get into it to teach. But when you start telling a teacher, you have to teach racism. You have to teach transgenderism. You have to teach sex ed to kindergartners. The good teachers simply walk away and say, I won't do it. It's immoral. Mm-hmm. Just like the good journalists start to walk away mm-hmm. and say it's immoral. So we got to start bringing some morals back into this world. And that's why I say we got to return to God and bring God back into this world. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to push a certain religion, but we certainly have to bring God back into this country, into our culture, into our hearts, into our homes. Um, That's the start. Last last question. Um, And I've asked this for everybody I've seen that gets into politics and I think I know your answer, but I, I have you thought of the darkness that you're facing and how is your soul? How are you preparing for the onslaught? We're battling evil. It's not oh, about I've politics. Been in it. <laughs> yeah. I've always been a sw- I have one of my favorite things to do is swim. I love swimming. And I have found myself the last year and four months, 500 and roughly 10 days swimming through swamp water. It is so dirty. The evil, the nastiness, the lies. I mean, I walked away from a career and I had a lot of goodwill and I had tens of millions spent in just lying ads. People coming out of the woodwork who are just nasty people who think nothing about telling lies about Mm you. But I just, uh, I got God on my side. I really do. And I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about the haters out there. I'm I'm focused on winning this for Arizona and doing great things for Arizona. We pray a lot. Somebody said you pray every night before you go to bed. I said, um, yeah, but I also pray every morning when I wake up, <laughs> during the day, when I'm driving, when I'm arriving at an event, before I speak. Prayer is something that should be done all day. Yeah. I have a constant conversation with God, and we have a lot of people that tell us they're praying for us. That is the most powerful, potent uh, potent fix to evil that is surrounding us. I mean, we've had our tires slashed. We've had na- oh, uh, <laughs> screws drilled into our tires. I get hate mail. I get threats. I All of that stuff. And I just let it roll off my back like water on a duck's back. Let me leave you with my prediction. You're going to win. Okay. You're going to win. If you keep your head about you, uh, you're going to be a game-changing governor. Um, you will uh, be asked to be the vice presidential nominee at some point, but I think you will end up being our first female president. If you are who you say you are and hold <laughs> to the line, oh. that's, who, that's, I believe, what you have in, ahead of you. You're remarkable. Wow. Glenn, um, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, because that means yeah, I'm yeah. going to be in the it's, swamp longer. It's, it's <laughs> not something I, I wouldn't wish in. it on my, my, uh, you know, my worst enemy. I'm sorry, but that I think is what's going to happen. My plan was to get in, get the job done, uh, get out of yeah. politics and, you know, hopefully pick up my golf game that I tried to start up before yeah. uh, during COVID yeah. and maybe have grandbabies. So we'll see yeah. where it goes. I'm, yeah. I'm so ca- truly because I'm getting asked this question a lot. So funny because 200 days ago, the press was acting like, what on earth do you know? Why? How dare you run for office? Now they're like, are you going to be a VP pick? Are you going right. to run for the White House? I'm like, slow down. I am focused on Arizona. I'm not even thinking of 24. I worry that if we don't elect the right people, we could lose our country by 24. So I am truly laser beam focused on Arizona. I love this state so much. Good. Just do the next right thing. Thank you. Only God knows where this goes. Only God knows. Exactly. Thank you so much, Carrie. Best of luck. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Appreciate it. Just a reminder. I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.